Well, it's been a very meaningful service so far, but I believe it's just going to get better and better. At 9 o'clock, we had a, a great gathering out in the parking lot for our 9 o'clock uh, service, our outdoor service. Today, uh, during this time period, starting at 11, up in our lighthouse, all of our uh, middle school students, our high school students, their, uh, their parents, probably about 150 of them, are also gathered up there and worshiping and serving. But we passed the word around at both our 9 o'clock service and of the service up, uh, up the hill that, that we think everybody should go back and uh, be able to spend some time this week, maybe even today, in being able to uh, see the recording of this service and the things that we're going to be doing. We're, uh, we're actually talking today about a, a single word, honor. And what the Bible tells us is that, that a mindset we should have, because right after this great theology in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, we get into chapter 12, and now we get into practical living and thinking for a disciple and a follower of Jesus. And it starts off by saying that we should be transformed in view of God's mercies by the renewing of our mind. And so what we think about, what we focus on is so essential, and then and the whole chapter is talking about life now, not just in God's grace, but in God's spiritual family, the body of Christ. And that all of us need each other, we belong to each other, and then in, uh, after it says we should be devoting ourselves to one another in love, in verse 10, there's this curious phrase, that we should seek to outdo one another in showing honor. Now, your translation might say, honor one another above ourselves. That's an interesting way to put things. And so, I want to propose something for all of us this morning. And it's simply this. We should honor others, what's the word? More, not less. And to give some attention, not only to worshiping God, not only to being so thankful and appreciative for His blessings, but also to focus on honoring each other. In fact, it's pretty much the only thing in the Bible where it talks about it's okay to be in competition with each other, in competition about showing honor and respect. I hope we can talk about this a little bit more and understand it. Now, an interesting verse in chapter 13. Again, it's best if you open up your devices or your Bibles, you follow along here, and then you reflect on these things. You circle them or highlight them, make a note, and then you reflect on them in the days to come. Very interesting what the Bible tells us here. It tells us to give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Oh, great. There it is, black and white. If revenue, you owe somebody some money, give it to them. If respect, you owe them respect. If honor, honor. Now, let me propose something to you that I think you'll relate to. Most of us don't like to owe anybody anything. Am I right? We do not like to be indebted to other people. And then if you keep on going in Romans 13, I think the next verse will tell us that we owe each other the perpetual debt of love for one another. 
And that's where it talks about being devoted to one another in love, outdoing one another in showing honor, and all the rest of this chapter 12 on the way that we relate and encourage each other. But I really think that that's not a natural thing for us to like or appreciate or look forward to owing something to somebody. Anybody ever went along with me in the book of Philippians where Paul tells Philemon, or in the book of Philemon, where Paul tells Philemon, not to mention you owe me your very soul. That just feels a little overdone. I mean, I don't know that I really want to owe somebody, you know, my soul. But we are in debt for those who spoke the Word of God to us. We're in debt to those that we're connected with in the body of Christ. We're indebted to leaders. We're indebted to each other. And it's so important to give some thought to this and think about, well, how do I, how do, I do this? Well, you can do some words of encouragement, right? Fellowship helps. You can write cards. Sometimes we do Christmas cards or Thanksgiving cards. You can write a little note and to honor somebody, encourage them in, in that way. I think one of the great things you can do is to pray for each other, right? I, uh, you guys know my tradition. When I preach on a Sunday morning, I come in here on Saturday afternoon, and I walk up and down and through these aisles because, well, I was going to say I know where you sit. I used to know where everybody sits. Now it's crazy. Are you outdoors? Are you up the hill? Are you on live stream? Are you here? But I still got a general footprint of where you guys are. And I go up and down these aisles and I pray various things for you. Sometimes it's a focus on your health or on your faith or on your children, your adult children, other kinds of things. Yesterday, when I walked and prayed for you, many, many, many of you individually by name, I just prayed a prayer of honor and respect for you and who you are and the life you're attempting to live and the heart that you have and whatever efforts you're making to make the world a better place, to serve people and to love God, love people, and to help change the world. Yeah, we can pray for each other, right? But, you know, I think most of this, outdoing one another in showing honor, and always understanding this debt of love that we owe to each other in the body of Christ, I really think most of it happens internally. It happens in our hearts. It happens in our minds. It happens the way that we view each other and think about each other when we're present or when we're not present. This idea of outdoing each other and showing honor. Now, it's a very interesting thing because there, there are certain categories of people that we're told to honor in a special way. Let me give you the parent's favorite verse. Honor your father and your mother in the Lord, for this is right. Is it right for children to honor and respect their parents? The good ones and the not-so-good ones. There's another category. Hopefully this one's easier for all of us. And it tells us the elders. Let's pause and talk about the elders for a moment. The elders in your church. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is, is preaching and teaching. And so, wow, there's a sense like with, with our elders and leaders in the church, there's a sense that we should give double. Now, what does that mean? The best parking places? You know, should we usher them up here? Here, have here. How about some coffee? You want an muffin? Is that what it's talking about? Send them two Christmas cards. Send them some money. You know, bake some cookies. What is it talking about? Well, you know what? You figure it out. 
apply it. Don't blow off the Scripture. They're worthy of double honor. We accept that. That's very, this is very, it's, this is very interesting to me. We got this strong tendency to do what Jesus said. As he was reflecting on life, even the way people re- related to him, he said, you know what? A, a prophet doesn't get honor in his own country. What's he talking about? Sometimes kids can take parents for granted. Sometimes parents can take kids for granted. Sometimes you can take for granted the blessings you have in your country or in, or, or in your church. Sometimes you, believe it or not, you could potentially take for granted the leaders in your life that the Bible is talking about. Whether it's leaders or your family group leaders or the deacons or uh, other people in the church, there is this tendency. You know, when they were building the wall of Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day, they were all working at the various gates where they were, where they were trying to rebuild. And it, it talks about rebuilding one of the gates next to the house of heroes. Because in Jewish life, people reflected on the men and the women of the past and the leaders, and they gave them honor, and they actually had a spot where they remembered them, this house of heroes, and it was, it was inspiring. And, and you know what, uh, uh, what, what Hebrews chapter 11, it's this long list of these men and women of faith who occupied hearts in places like the house of heroes. And we're, we're told they're like a cloud of witnesses around us, cheering us, cheering us on. And you got to believe, now, now let's, let's kind of go across you know, some geography. Let's get to Corinth where the Greeks are, or Athens where these guys are very intellectual, they're sophisticated. Or we go over to Rome and we got the Romans and they're all powerful and they're in charge of everything and their economy runs, runs the world. And you know they got to be thinking, what, why in the world do I need to think about and follow some old Jewish dudes from a thousand years ago? Or two, what is the point of that. Do I really need to do that? Exactly. And as you go on in Hebrews chapter 3, he talks about not only reflecting, you know, all of them, he talks about remember your leaders, past and present, who spoke the Word of God to you. We want to do a little pause right now and ask who that might be in your life and who presently well, I don't like being led. You know, that's another issue, okay? That, that's a study on pride and humility and other things, all right? You'll have to do some background work, you know, on that one. But he talks about consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. There's even when Paul talked to, uh, talked to Corinth, he said, well, it's not just the guys in the past. You, you got to look am- among your own church and realize in your own church, there are these guys like Stephanus and Achaicus, you know, and uh, Fortunatus. And these are people who devoted themselves to the service of the church. In our context, it would be like some of those original people at North River or many years before that went in and laid that foundation for us and helps form the blessings, you know, you know that we have. And he goes on and he says, I urge you to submit to those brothers and sisters, and who, who, who labor at the work. They refresh my spirit. Such men deserve recognition. I'm not even sure how you feel about that. In your flesh, 
Uh, there's, there's a part of us that goes, I, I don't want, what do you mean deserve? Aren't we all just pieces of dust and little burning wicks by the fire by the grace of God? Well, no. When people work hard in the kingdom and in your life and they serve and they pray and care about you, yeah, they actually deserve recognition. Well, what do you mean, Tom? You figure it out. How do you just give it? I think most of all in your heart and in your head and in your attitudes that will be able to, to, uh, to come through. Can, can we honor people too much sometimes? What do you think? Politicians, you ever saw a politician maybe thought got a little bit too much? You know, celebrities, athletes, you know, can you do that? You know, too much. I remember I told you this, you know, earlier, I got, got invited to go to um, one of the Braves games when they were in the playoffs with the Milwaukee Brewers, and it was a key game, and the best pitcher and the closer in the entire major leagues, Josh Vader, Darth Vader, was, was pitching, and Freddie Freeman got up to the plate, and he hit this towering home run over the left field, center field, you know, fence, and it won the game, and then everybody stood up in that truest part, and they were going, Freddie, Freddie, Fred, I got caught up in it, you know. I was Freddy, Freddy, you know. Um, I want to double back on this in a minute about who are your kids' heroes? And who do you cheer for in your heart? You know, uh, have we had times like where we lifted up people too much? I actually think so. I think there were, there were times, I remember when Kelly and I got, went back in the ministry in 2001, there was kind of a tradition we had out in L.A. Every time anybody did any kind of speech, everybody stood up and clapped. I mean, it could have been great, it could have been okay. You know, but they're going to stand up and clap. That was like, like, like a tradition. And uh, I, when we, I, we were just ah, not as comfortable with it. And so I would just end my sermons when I went back in the ministry by just singing, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, you know? And I would go sit down, and then we went over the service. It was nice. I felt good about that, okay? Is, is there a problem with clapping? No. I hope we do some clapping today if you really want to know the truth. Are there any issues? That, no. But, you know, the Bible does say in, in, when we talk about honoring one another, you know, and uh, uh, consider the outcome of these people's faith, these leaders, the next verse is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no contradiction between worshiping and honoring Jesus Christ, following him as Lord, and giving recognition and honor to those among us. In fact, exactly the opposite. And so, this is spirit here of outdoing one another and encouraging and giving, giving honor. A couple of years ago, we were just finishing uh, that work on the lighthouse, you know, Brothers like Tom Bogle and Ross McKenzie and Derek and Lars and so many others worked so hard and sacrificed in that way. We were just, it was getting close to being a reality. And I remember with one of our leadership group meetings with our elders and evangelists, I, I said, you know what I would love to see us do is sometime every year have a, uh, you know, a banquet, a hero's banquet. 
and establish a hall of heroes and just people who have really served in a, in a wonderful way and they've given up their lives over many decades and we go up there, it's a nice new building, we have, we have a meal and we honor them and we encourage them, we just hang out together and encourage somebody before they croak. You know, why don't we just think about doing that, okay? I'm sure they witness their service, you know, later on, but that, wouldn't that be good for all of us, all of our hearts? And, uh, you know, we said, you know, that would be an excellent thing to be able to do. Today, we're, <laughs> at least in my mind, we got our first inductee, okay? And that's Samuel David Lang, you know, Sam and Jerry Lang. And, uh, you know, they've been in the hall of our hearts for a long time, but uh, we, we want to give them some special honor for their years of service. In the spirit of what? The Scriptures. Okay, in the spirit of the scriptures, that's what we're, we're looking to do. We brought this up in a recent leadership group, and, uh, and, um, and one of our younger leaders was in there. I won't identify them. I'm really tempted to, but I'm not going to do that. And one of our uh, younger leaders said, well, why, why Sam? Sam's a great guy, but we have a lot of great servants here in the church. Why don't we, what about just honoring them? Sherman McIntyre is a good friend of mine. He's an elder. He's a very kind-hearted man. Most of the time. He looked at this young guy with a fierceness I have never personally seen before. I'm not sure if the eyes were red or not, but he looked at that guy, and he's, he just he had an admonishment. Let's just put it that way. Well, we decided to go ahead and have, uh, you know, have this honoring, you know, here for, you know, Sam. Well, but, but seriously, why, why honor uh, Sam and Jerry, you know, Lang? We've clearly, obviously honored Jesus in communion. We talked about it so much last week. We honored him today. We honor the scriptures. We love God. But in a special way, we would like to say a few words, and we're going to do that the last, the last part of the service. Um, Sam, I think that for so many of us, this is why I want to really encourage our younger people to listen to this and to think about this. It's hard to overstate or quantify the, the impact that Sam and Jerry Lang have had on our families and, and our lives. I mean, with this book that you guys wrote on raising awesome kids in a troubled world, was that prophetic or not? Talk about troubled times. And, you know, when, when me, Kelly, and I, when we look and we think about Sam and Jerry and their family and all their kids and their spouses and their grandkids, you know, it's just hard to express the appreciation and gratitude for the books, for the life, and, and you know, and, and your example. That's just one thing, but the churches that Sam and Jerry have helped establish and to grow, the books written, the stirring speeches. But I think for me, and for many of us, it was Sam Lang's love for the Word of God, especially the Old Testament. I mean, you name your kids, you know, David and Jonathan, you know, that's just a start. But all, all the teaching that you did, it was so interesting because, and your husband Chuck, you know, gave us reverence and respect for the Word of God. You do not mess with the Word of God and a love for Jesus' church. We got that instilled in us. Sam, what you did, you, you gave us this heart to love the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament. 
those SDC classes and so many other things. And there, there's, this, uh, there's this passage in 1 Samuel. Sam Lang likes that book, uh, 1 Samuel. Spent a lot of time in it and 2 Samuel. Just kind of drawn to it. And there's this passage where it says in chapter 3, might even have it up here, that none of, none of Samuel's words uh, fell to the ground. Let's see if we, uh, let's do that one too, okay? Um, none of his words fell to the ground. And I think that that is uh, one of the reasons why we're so indebted and we honor and respect Sam. You know, his words uh, made a profound effect on us. I think, Sam and Jerry, you've influenced thousands of people and probably hundreds of thousands of people. We know it's God working in you and keeping you faithful and being in the body of Christ and having strong, you know, people around you. But, um, you know, it's been in fact, I remember the beginning is 1969. Sam, that's when you got baptized. February, I think, right? And Jerry, you know, in August, 1969. Um, I came to that little church, 14th Street Church of Christ in Gainesville. I was an 18-year-old freshman, and um, I, ca I came to church. I only stayed one time because I usually went to church to our young life to look for good-looking girls. I saw one. It was Jerry Guba. Now, uh, Unfortunately, she was taken, but she was the prettiest girl in the church. Now, Kelly, you, you had not come to church yet, okay? Got that? Got that. But I didn't go back to church. I was not that interested in church, but I did get to go to some Bible studies and soul talks. And then on December 5th, which happens to be today, 1969, I got baptized into Christ and made Jesus Christ. Do not... If you're clapping, you're clapping for Sam and Jerry, for reaching out to me, and for God by His grace, and Kelly hanging me in there. Uh, wow. Wow. Um, wow. Start getting a little emotional. Okay. Yank it, ba yank it back in. Um, so, 52 years ago today, I got baptized into Christ as a freshman. But my formative years, they were, uh, Sam and Jerry had such a big... Thing. I think one of our favorite things back then was brothers football. You know, that was one of our favorite things. You remember. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to use an example. Brothers football, you know, mirrored for me and Sam, our, our personalities, our DNA, and our style. Okay, uh, Sam was always precise, beautiful plays, everything organized. And I had one gift in life, the ability to throw a 50-yard pass. That was my one athletic gift. So it was always ad libit, go wing it, just everybody go deep. And that's how I went with life. <laughs> but, it, but, but it was more than that. I, you know, I, I always was trying to stretch the boundaries. And as you can, you know, will attest, you know, and, and, and Sam, I'm going over to Kelly's sorority at midnight, throwing rocks at her window because I need some help studying, you know. <laughs> And Anne's, uh, Anne's husband, you know, Chuck Lucas, our minister, came over and dragged me out of that sorority, okay, because he knew I had issues from, uh, you know, from my past, okay? That's how I kind of, you know, would go about doing stuff. And in, in the ministry, the same way. Sam, Sam is so steadfast, wise, concerned, thoughtful, devoted, husband, father. Thought, me, I shoot from the hip, you know? Now, I have learned some stuff through the years by following people's example. Sam, you're always open about your feelings. I hold mine close to the vest. Sam, you write books. I do stuff. You know, <laughs> most of... 
You know, but most of all, I think what I and, you know, most of us remember about you is your emphasis on the heart. You always told us, Proverbs 4.24, above all else, guard your heart. For from it flows the wellsprings of life. And Sam taught us about this, uh, David, through First and Second Samuel. I went, back, I went to IPI, Illumination Publishers, this week, and I wanted to get a download of Sam teaching on David. For $3.99, you can get four lessons. I got it. And I'm going to make you an offer. If you download it and listen to all four, come up to me and I'll give you a $5 bill. 20% handling on your part. All right? It's that good. It's that powerful. But it's about the heart, which is what really all of us need in our, our, our lives. This man after God's mind. This is what Sam taught us, you know, and opened up our eyes as we enter the Old Testament, and particularly in First and Second Samuel. When you think of David, you think of his heart. Yeah, as a young guy, he was a shepherd and a poet and a songwriter, and, and then he, he killed some giants, absolutely won great victories, became a king on all of those things. But what Sam did with the Scripture, reading the Scripture, and reading even between the lines, you learned about how do you deal with abusive leadership in the church when your discipler and leader has a contract on your life and wants to kill you? Saul, you've had some bad leaders. Me too, but none that bad, you know. But the Scriptures taught us how to have a heart. And what do you do when you incredibly, you fall off a cliff spiritually and sin horribly, stuff you never thought you would do? But to find a way back and to be repentant and to be restored and then teaching us about, and what do you do? What do you do, David, when your kids leave the faith and you hurt and you lament, but you don't get bitter and you don't give up? This is what we learned through the Scripture and through, through that teaching. Um, Sam ultimately revealed to us a man after God's own heart. You helped us want to get there and to stay there, but I'd like you to hear it in Sam's own words for some of the best 90 seconds that you'll ever hear. You know, a great heart is within reach of everybody in this room. of the singers are not within my reach. The handsome appearance of some of the brothers here are not within my reach. Even with liposuction and surgery, I can't get there. The intelligence of Douglas Jacoby is not within my reach. I remember he and Marty Wooten were having a debate in the language of Hebrew and Greek, arguing with each other one time. Gordon Ferguson, uh, I went, I, Gordon, I, Gordon and I looked at each other, I said, Oxte Ockente. In Fig Latin. That's the best I can do, stop talking. Amen. You know, I mean, that, I said, those brains are out there. Just sort of hum, you know. I'm sort of like, well, I'm opening my Bible and they home on talk. There's some things just went, went out of my reach. The eloquence of some people is out of my reach. The spiritual power of some people, in one sense, their leadership powers are out of my reach. I want to be all I can be. But you know what is within my reach that all of us can have? We can all have a great heart. A great heart. I just want to have a great heart. I can do that. That I can do. And that means, that means whoever I am, highest in the heavens, lowest, lowest of the lowly to 
disciples, I can be close to God. And that's all I really care about. Then I care about that. Whether I'm obscure or well-known, I just want to have a great heart and be close to the Lord. You can do that. I can do that. Clapping's good. Clapping's good. I'm looking forward to visiting Sam in heaven one day. I'm pretty sure he'll have a prime spot in paradise, close to Jesus where he's always loved to be. No more tears, no more weakness, no more forgetting or regretting things. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 tells us, No eye has seen, no ear heard, no, no mind of man has ever conceived, no matter how sharp or dull it is, has never conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, Sam's heart and courage continue to help lead us. His old email was neverfear at bellsouth.com. Um, <laughs> Brother, you've always taught us like Joshua not to fear or be dismayed. Uh, thank you for pioneering the way for us. The best is yet to come. In the meantime, as we look forward to this, the honor and immortality that we will eventually receive. In the meantime, how about we keep following Jesus, be devoted to one another in love, and let the competition begin to outdo one another in showing honor from our heart. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will live.